Hello, my name is Michael D'Aloya, and you're listening to the Startup Lakewood Podcast. This podcast explores the trials and tribulations of Rust Belt entrepreneurs who are taking the risks and defying expectations in the great city of Lakewood, Ohio. Entrepreneurs enjoy this open, liberal, individualistic, yet supportive city. While we're not as large as our next-door neighbor, Cleveland, it doesn't mean our entrepreneurs don't have dynamic stories. They do. And this podcast captures the great giving spirit of our citizens. Today, we talk with one of my favorite humans on the planet, Mike Belsito, the pioneer. Mike is well known in the entrepreneurial circles in Lakewood, Ohio, and Cleveland. In fact, he was the entrepreneur in resident at Startup Lakewood for the past eight years, a role that I now have. And I just really dig hanging out with Mike and listening to his great entrepreneurial stories. I think you'll find that he is the pioneer I've suggested that he is. So let's listen to his story. Mike Belsito, welcome into Startup Lakewood podcast. And what I find fascinating is that you and I share some common bond here, and that is you were the first entrepreneur in residence for Startup Lakewood. And I'm very curious of what were some of the best and worst working moments as the EIR for Startup Lakewood. Well, that's right. Yeah, it, it was, I mean, at this point, over eight years ago since I Amazing. took on that role for the city. Yeah, but it was a lot of fun. And it's funny, you mentioned some of the best and worst moments. Some of those happen simultaneously, I feel like. <laughs> I, I'll never forget, you know, some of the first public sessions that we ran. You know, we ran these ideation sessions where it was open to the public. Anybody with an idea could come in, basically, you know, put forward ideas that they have for new products or businesses and other members of the public, you know, that might come in, they could give feedback on those. And I remember some of the early ones ran at a cafe that doesn't exist anymore called Bella Dubby. It was this awesome, very quirky little cafe. But I loved the fact that some of those first sessions happened there because it's this kind of like raw cafe space, but I'll never forget the first session I went to, we invited whoever was welcome, you know, whoever's welcome to come. We maybe had a just a handful of people. When I got there, nobody was there quite yet except a woman and her son, and the son was just riding a unicycle inside the space over and over and over again. And I'm like, what am I getting myself into here? But at the same time, I look back on that, and I also think that was really cool, you know, just that it had that start from basically a, a standing start, and now it's turned into this amazing initiative where you have businesses that are getting started that are, you know, here in Lakewood, and then here you have this awesome physical space, you have this podcast, so it just so much has really changed in the last few years, and a lot of positive memories for the most part. I tell people I've been standing on a, on the shoulder of giants. I mean, you really set the stage, and it, we just ignited it. Everything was ready to you help create the tender, right, that we lit yeah. to do all these things, so we're thrilled to be following in your footsteps. I'm pumped to see where it's going to go. It should be a really interesting time for Lakewood and entrepreneurship. Which leads me to my second question, and that is, I think people really want to know about your entrepreneurial background because it goes deep. You've touched some really provocative and stage-setting entrepreneurial companies in Northeast Ohio. Yeah, you know, it is it is interesting. I mean, all of my professional background has been an early-stage technology startup. So I graduated from business school at Case Western Reserve back in 2005, so that was before people were swiping right on their phones to connect with a loved one. And, you know, that was kind of, uh, you know, fairly early in the internet days. 
relatively speaking anyway. So right out of business school, I joined a company called Findaway World, which at the time I was their first hired employee. So they had the founders that had started the business and they were just starting to hire employees. And I was their first employee. I was there for six years. And by the time I had left, there were 120 employees. It was in the tens of millions of dollars in revenue. It was honestly, I couldn't imagine a better first step for me to enter the startup world. And from there, you know, I ended up starting a couple of companies after that. Right at that point, I started a company called eFuneral. And I had that company for about two and a half, three years until it was acquired, but I, you know, I was called a fail sale. We, we didn't really <laughs> achieve what, what we all wanted to achieve, but we were able to live to tell the story and did find an acquirer where we could give something back to investors and sort of live to see another day. But honestly, I feel like that whole experience with the funeral set the stage for me personally. Um, I ended up finding a couple of companies right after that that I, I worked for and learned from, Veritix and Movable. These are technology companies that were kind of up and coming at the time and actually have both since been acquired. Um, and in fact, I was at Movable during that acquisition as well. Now I lead a company called Product Collective with uh, another partner of mine, Paul McAvinci. We started it because, you know, we were product people. I mean, in fact, at Movable and Veritex, like those are my first real product defined roles. Software companies, the product manager is this person that sort of is the, is the quarterback, if you will, um, among the designers and the developers and the management team. And, you know, we're all trying to create amazing software products, but it's this product person, which is this unique role because you don't go to school for it. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I took one of those roles, actually it was with Veritex, I remember almost trying to talk them out of it a little bit when they were <laughs> recruiting me to be director of product strategy. I said, I, I think that sounds great, but I didn't go to school for product management. I don't know if I would be that that good at it. And they were like, oh, Mike, you'll be fine. Nobody went to school for this. That's not a thing. <laughs> um, but what happened is in trying to figure out what it meant to be a product person, I realized that there weren't a lot of places, especially here in Cleveland and really throughout the Midwest, that that bring product people together where they can learn from each other and you know really connect with each other, build relationships. And so Paul and I, um, and actually Rebecca McAvinci, she we all started Product Collective, which is a community for product people. But really, the the probably the biggest product, if you want to think of it that way, of ours is this conference that we put on every year called Industry. Now it's become one of the top-rated software product management conferences anywhere. But this will be our fourth year coming up in Cleveland. We now also run a European edition every spring in Dublin, Ireland. Um, so it's been it, – when I look back at the last 13, 14 years now, for me, all the, the common tie, I guess, with everything is that from eFuneral to Product Collective to Findway, like they're all different types of businesses, but they were all attacking problems that were sort of personal to me and ones that – you know, I felt like, hey, I want to I wanna try to solve this sort of problem. So that part has been really fun for me. You touched on something, the fail sale, the, the failure yeah. part. I can, I can, I've been in, in the tech industry enough in Northeast Ohio to say that my original failure back in 99 really held a scarlet letter. I mean, there was a point in time if you failed in Northeast Ohio, you were done. To this evolution of that... Failure is just a part. What's the next thing, right? You failed, so what? So let's move on. What's your next idea? So the really smart, cutting-edge people like yourself, you fail, you're on to the next big thing, right? Yeah. You know, I will say, though, I didn't really – I was hoping that would be the case. But, <laughs> you know, when you go through it, 
it's so real to you and it's so personal to you and it hurts. You know, going through that failure relief funeral, that, that hurt because this is something that we put everything into, you know, we took other people's money, raising money from investors. And, you know, we want to, we want to see this awesome return. I will say, you know, when it became apparent that things weren't going to work out the way that we wanted them to work out, you know, and I will say, we went everything about it the right way, right? Like we were doing things on the up and up and being really transparent with our investors and employees. But even still, in my mind, I'm wondering to myself, will people trust me again? Like not even could I raise money from people if I wanted to go that route to start another company? In my mind, I was asking myself, can I can I find a good job after this? Like, I didn't know, but you're right. I think Cleveland has become, like, whereas this has been the this has been the way in Silicon Valley for quite some time, Cleveland definitely now is a place where you can do something like that. You can put yourself out there. You can fail. So long as you're going about things the right way, though, People don't put that scarlet letter on you. You know, they they applaud you for actually putting yourself out there and you can find opportunities. I'll say there were more opportunities that opened up for me after e-funeral than ever before. And But it was because of the way that we went about, you know, everything that we did throughout e-funeral. But, you know, even though that was the case, it didn't make things easier, you know? It didn't It didn't necessarily make... It wasn't like there was in my mind, I'm like, well, if this doesn't work out, it'll, it'll just all be fine, you know? You didn't know that. So I'm glad that's the way that it was. But yeah, going through it, it still feels, still feels pretty raw, you know? Yeah, failure is n- never an easy thing to walk through. I remember when Susan's Coffee and Tea was failing big time, just the weight on your shoulders. Like, you could physically feel like this specter on top of your shoulders is quite something. Now that you've lived through these many cycles of, you know, the great growth companies, the the fail sale, and now you're you're growing yet another company, what are some crucial attributes an entrepreneur must have? I think part of it is you, you have to think really, really big. And I would say my current partnership for Product Collective, it's such a good partnership because there's a balance. You know, my partner, Paul, he thinking big is no big deal to him, you know, like he very much, you know, is always trying to push us to do things bigger and better. I might be more on the conservative side between two of us, but it's so it's it's good. There's sort of this balance. But if neither one of us were really pushing ourselves like that, that would be a bad thing. Like, I think it would be really easy to say, oh, we could we could put on, you know, this conference that could be this good local kind of tech conference, you know, and some people might come and you know, we'll charge a small ticket price and, you know, we'll do what what a lot of other conferences in town, you know, that's kind of how they operate. We pushed ourselves to think about this differently. We From the very beginning, we said, it won't be this way from the very beginning, but we need to think about it like this will be a world-class product conference. This is going to be one of the best software product conferences in the world. And eventually it will be the best in the world. Like that's that's the that was our mindset. And I think no matter what kind of business that you're running, not to say that you have to be the best in the world, but you do have to think about things bigger than they actually are right now. You know, if you want to succeed, you sort of have to see what it could eventually become and almost operate that like that will be a reality at some point. So I think that's a big thing. What that also means is that it sounds so cliche to say be unafraid of failure. I actually think being having a healthy fear of failure is is actually a great thing. Like I think being able to understand that things can happen a certain way that isn't the way that you want that to be, but that's okay. And, and if anything, I think it pushes yourself and it sort of fuels you to make uh, you know make decisions 
differently than if you just had no fear of failure at all. I think having a healthy fear of failure actually is a great thing for entrepreneurs. So I, I think that's another that's another big thing too. I think there's probably I could probably list forty different attributes of great <laughs> right. companies, but to, for me, those are two things I think that kind of go hand in hand that I think are sort of must dos for early entrepreneurs. Amen to that, Mike. Well, let's walk back to the local entrepreneurial scene in Lakewood, Ohio. I'm curious, what are some challenges for entrepreneurs in Lakewood, Ohio? Yeah, well, and you know, I'll say, even though my experience in my you know own day-to-day is on the early stage technology side, when I got involved with the city of Lakewood to become their entrepreneur in residence, I started working with entrepreneurs that were completely outside of the tech world. Most of the entrepreneurs I ended up working with are, you know, they're, they're more of the storefront business variety, or maybe they have a home-based business and they're trying to, you know, launch it beyond, you know, get, get it out of their home and sort of into the, into the lives of all Lakewood residents. And so the challenges that I, that I heard from folks, it was different than challenges that I might hear if I'm at some sort of tech startup meetup. The biggest challenge was just not knowing what that first step looks like. There's so many people in town here that have awesome ideas and actually like a passion to see them through. But they got, in some cases, people got stuck just at that very first step. They're like, okay, I have this idea, but what do I do? You know, I got, do I need to call a lawyer or something or do I? So my goal, because, you know, the one thing I, I said to everybody was like, hey, look, I'm no expert. <laughs> and I think anybody that, you know, purports themselves to be an expert, like, be careful about that person. But but I have been around the block a little bit, but especially with storefront businesses, like, I don't know everything. But what I can do is be a sounding board for people, and I can help you with getting you past those first few steps. And especially when it comes to, like, the business validation side, I will say that's another big challenge for people is people have these ideas, no matter what kind of business it is. Might be a tech business, might be a donut shop. You know, it sort of doesn't matter. They'll have this idea and it's like, but is it a good idea? You know, will, is this an idea where customers will pay me money for? Can I be profitable with this sort of idea? That's another big challenge is figuring out well, how can you even answer those questions. But there are ways you can, right? There's things that you could do to help validate business concepts really early on. It might not be, it might not guarantee success, but it'll at least give you some evidence of success, whereas, you know, it's better than nothing at all. There are other challenges for sure, like, okay, how do I plan my budget? How do I, you know, uh, prepare my storefront so that I can actually open it? What are all the hoops I have to jump through? Those are also challenges. And depending on the type of businesses, there might be specific challenges to that specific type of business. But those are some of the ones that I, you know, when I'm meeting with folks for the very first time or very, you know, first few times, those are the ones that would come up over and over again. Conversely, what are some opportunities for entrepreneurs in Lakewood? I mean, I think the biggest opportunity is that out of all the people I've met with through Startup Lakewood that had these ideas, you know, maybe it's in the single digits in terms of people that actually followed through and ultimately launched their business. So what that means is that if you do have an idea for any type of business, even if there are other people that are operating in Lakewood or you know outside of Lakewood, they have a similar type of business, the odds are that people that are working on the same sort of concept aren't going to follow through with it. So as you actually get to the stage of launch, you're way farther ahead than most people that are working on those ideas. I mean, I, I think in Lakewood, there's other opportunities. You have amazing 
you know, families that live here in Lakewood and they're they're craving businesses to specifically serve them. You have the people that are here in Lakewood, a lot of times they're, you know, young professionals. These are people that are willing to pay beyond. They're not just looking for the low-cost options, right? They're looking to pay a premium in some cases if you're providing the right product or the right experience. So this is a kind of a place where there's lots of people. There's people that are willing to support their local businesses. I mean, there's some cities where, you know, it's just chain restaurant land or, you know, chain sort of shop land. Here, people want to support independent businesses. So particularly for people that are putting together their own business and it is, it's this independent, it's something maybe they're starting off on their own. I think you have a base of people here that want to support you for sure. And I think you have a city that wants to support you. I mean, the city of Lakewood, this whole entrepreneur in residence thing, like this is unique that not many cities put together, you know, and have all these organizations come together to create this sort of role. The city wants businesses to sprout up here. And uh, in other cities, they might say that, but they don't actually do the things to show that that's the case. But the city of Lakewood's done that for the past you know, close to a decade at least. I mean, just since I've been involved. So I think that presents some unique opportunities for entrepreneurs. Fantastic. You live in Lakewood. What are some of your favorite experiences in the city? My family moved to Lakewood in 2009. Actually, it was my wife and I at the time. So it was before we had the two kids that we have now. But we knew that we were going to have kids. And that was actually a big reason why we moved here. We wanted to be super close to Cleveland. We had lived downtown before that. And we love downtown. We still do. But, you know, we wanted a yard. And we wanted to have, you know, some of the amenities that a lot of families love to have. Just parks and, you know, just cool things going on, places you can walk to, whether it be restaurants or, um, you know, the other types of things that are going on in the city. I mean, for me personally, Lakewood Park, there isn't a park that's quite like it in any other place that I've been to, a place where, you know, this playground that's just amazing and every every kid right. would be envious of it. I couldn't imagine having a park like that when I was a kid, just like right at my footsteps. But then you also have, you could walk from where that playground is to the solstice steps, which has honestly like some of the most amazing views of the lake anywhere on the lake that I, that at least that I've been to. And, you know, it's just, I've, there's all sorts of stuff that goes on at that park that, you know, some people don't even know about. A couple weeks ago, I watched a vintage baseball game. These are teams that played 1876 style rules. So, you know, you go there that it looks like, literally, it looks like you stepped into Field of Dreams. Right. That went on at Lakewood Park. You know, that was free. That's something you don't even have to pay for. So I love that Lakewood has stuff like that. They have, you know, there's all sorts of festivals that go on throughout the year. The Taste of Lakewood, which happened a few weeks back, which brings all sorts of people to the city. I live on a street that is on the east side of Lakewood. And from my street, I can walk to an indie rock venue in May Halls, which is also an awesome bowling alley and, and you know, bar. I can walk to some amazing restaurants like a Barocco or Woodstock. I can walk to Madison Park. So it's just, it's a place where, you know, when you're a young family, you want to be in a place where not only does it have that stuff, but you don't have to all pack in the car and, and drive a few miles to get to those places. So kind of no matter where you live in Lakewood, there's always something nearby. And I really like that. You should become the ambassador of Lakewood, <laughs> Ohio, Mike. <laughs> I feel like I am a lot of the times. I love it. Great thing about Lakewood is it's, it's Swiss neutral. Like no one hates Lakewood. Yeah. You can mention Cleveland or Avon Lake or Solon. Someone has an opinion, <laughs> generally a bad one about those cities. Whereas Lakewood, like everyone loves Lakewood. It's amazing. What's your big audacious goal in life? Wow. Well, 
That's interesting because for life, things change so much. I mean, aside from the business stuff, I just want to look back and, you know, have my kids think I was an amazing dad to them, you know, when they're my age, looking back. Like, I want them to be in their mid-30s and, and brag about how awesome it was, you know, growing up and how they had a, you know, great upbringing. And, and if, if that happens, like, I would feel like I was a major success, you know? It doesn't really matter about the business stuff. If that happens, that would be an amazing thing. On the business side, for me, I mean... Again, we want to create this world-class product conference now, right? And product club, we do other things too, but it really is all about, you know, sort of all leads up to this conference. And we, we've been fortunate to have some good mentors in, in our lives, specifically on the conference front. Joe Polizzi here in town, he created this conference called Content Marketing World. You know, he started with just a few hundred people and grew it to a point where last year, you know, which I think was like eight years after he got started, he had 3,500 people, and it comes to Cleveland every year, and he sort of proved out in the very beginning that you can build a conference around a specific niche, and not only that, though, but bring all those people to Cleveland year in and year out, and it can be the best within that specific vertical. Like when we first started industry, or at least had the idea for industry, we did have some people telling us, hey, that's kind of a cool idea, but people aren't going to come to Cleveland for this. You know, if you really want to do this, you'd have to go to Silicon Valley or at least, you know, take it to Chicago. Like then, then you could do it. And we're like, okay, well, that's kind of, kind of put us down a little bit. But then we talked to Joe and we realized, wait a minute, Joe built a world-class conference for content marketing and he did it here in Cleveland and, and brought thousands of people here and it became the top conference. So he's been a mentor to us and sort of opened up his playbook to us and, so from a professional standpoint, that's our goal. We want to be the content marketing world of product management. And we want it to happen here in Cleveland. We want this to be a Cleveland success story too, you know? So I would say one big audacious goal is that we have created the world-class product conference. It brings thousands of people to Cleveland every year. And this becomes something that people in Cleveland can be proud of. The last question on the hot seat, Mike, and that is, What's your favorite dive bar in Lakewood, Ohio? Oh, there, there are so many There's of those. There's too many, right? I know. I've... Well, and so I already mentioned May Halls. That is one of them. It helps that it is within walking distance of my house. <laughs> so, you know, or stumbling distance or whatever you want to think of it. I don't know if, you, you know, I don't know if you could call that a dive bar. I, I suppose it qualifies, maybe. I mean, it's really old bowling alley is really what it is. But right. kind of has turned in this, like, hipster bar, I suppose. The Winchester is really cool. That's also in the same area. It's in Birdtown. And, it's, again, it's another sort of stumbling distance place for me. Corky's. I, and I'm picking places that are all within walking distance of me. So, that, <laughs> so you've been to a these reason places many have. times. Corky's was well, I've been to Corky's a few times even before I ever moved to Lakewood. Good old karaoke bar, you know. I'd say as far as dive bars go, those are some of my favorites for sure. Mike, thanks for being on Startup Lakewood Podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I want to thank all the great people involved in making this podcast, especially our guests who took the time to join us for this interview. Executive producer, me, myself, and I, producer Bridget Coyne, audio engineers Eric Coltnow and Dave Douglas. Startup Lakewood is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Subscribe to Startup Lakewood on your favorite podcast app or go to evergreenpodcast.com. And for you entrepreneurs out there, keep struggling. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, 
Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.